Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. <coughs> Fellow redeemed, Merry Christmas to you all once again. On this, the seventh day of Christmas, we continue to celebrate and rejoice in the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We continue to celebrate and rejoice that God himself has taken on human flesh and blood in order to redeem human flesh and blood. And so our celebration of Christmas continues. In fact, it continues for another five days all the way up through January 5th and coming to an end on the 6th, which is the beginning of the season of Epiphany. And yet, in the midst of our celebration, it's hard not to notice that today is also New Year's Eve, isn't it? In less than 24 hours, our calendars will be switching from 2023 to 2024. And as we come to the end of a year and the beginning of another, we begin to hear those familiar sayings. I can't wait for this year to be over. I can't believe how bad this year was. I can't wait for the new year to start. This year, hopefully, will be different than the last. Having experienced pain and suffering, maybe you've made a few of these comments yourself. And the reason for these comments is because every year... We see chaos in the world. We, de- we see disease and death. We see political turmoil, civil unrest. The list goes on and on, doesn't it? Now, for the world around us, they look to the changing of the calendar as a sign of hope. Somehow, like magic, Things in the world are going to change simply because the year on the calendar has changed. Somehow, like magic, all the issues that plagued us this past year will magically come to an end and a new life of peace and happiness will come upon us. Yet we Christians know better, don't we? We know that no matter the year on our calendar, we will continue to see nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places, as Jesus says. We know that the effects of man's fall into sin will continue to happen, no matter what year it is. We'll continue until Christ returns in glory to make all things new. And so it is that our hope isn't found in the changing of a calendar. Our hope is found in Jesus alone. And it's why on this day it's good for us to consider what takes place on the eighth day of Jesus' life. That is, his circumcision in naming. When Jesus was eight days old, Mary and Joseph brought the infant Jesus to the local Levite to have him circumcised. 
Now, why circumcision? Why such a strange medical procedure? In Genesis 17, the Lord says to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring forever. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or brought bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money, shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. And so, in circumcision, God literally is cutting an everlasting covenant. This Old Testament sacrifice gave the children of Abraham a physical mark that God would bless them, not only as many descendants or the possession of the promised land, but more importantly, that through the promised seed of Abraham, all people would be blessed. In other words, through circumcision, circumcision was a sign of God's promise, the promised Messiah, the promised seed of Abraham. And no Hebrew male could live a day without being reminded of this promise. And this is why the eighth day is so special. While God had created all things in six days, on the seventh day he rested, while through Adam's disobedience he brought sin and death into God's perfect creation, the eighth day is a sign of new creation, of new birth, of the resurrection and new life. Certainly the eighth day is the first day of a new week, but it's also a sign of the sinner being redeemed, restored, made new, resurrected by God himself. Consider for a moment why our baptismal font has eight sides. In baptism, you've been made new. And so on the eighth day, Hebrew male infants would be circumcised. They would have their bloodshed, showing that sin is a serious business, that the wages of sin is death. And not only that, it testifies to the truth that the old man has been cut off. That they have been made a son of Abraham, a son of the promised seed. And so in the Old Testament, circumcision was a sacrament. Delivered the forgiveness of sins. It made a person a part of God's chosen people. And this was to be done until the promised seed of Abraham would come. To redeem man from sin. It's wages of death. Now hearing this, you might be wondering, if Jesus is the sinless Son of God, 
in human flesh and blood, why would he need to be circumcised? When Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day, he was placing himself under the entirety of God's law where we were. He subjected himself to God's law so that he could and would fulfill all of God's requirements for us. It's exactly why St. Paul writes in his letter to the Galatians, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. And so there, in his circumcision, Jesus, as true God in human flesh, begins to suffer. He sheds his blood for the first time for you, for me, for all mankind. He does in his body what we in our bodies fail to do, that is, keep God's law. And no matter the year, he never permitted anything or anybody to come between him and his heavenly Father. Jesus submits perfectly in faith to God, in obedience to God's word. Years later, Jesus would shed his blood again. Yet this time it wouldn't be through some surgical act commanded by God on the eighth day. It would be his nail-pierced hands and feet on the last day of his life. Suffering your punishment for sin, he was crucified on the cross according to God's will. With the name Jesus placed above his head, we see that he's the Lord who saves us. He's the one who brings us forgiveness and peace through the shedding of his holy and precious blood. Now, with God's promise to Abraham fulfilled in Jesus, circumcision no longer remains a sign for anything. Because it pointed to the child who was born under the law to redeem us sinful men. The sign of that Old Testament has been replaced with a sign of the New Testament. Circumcising baby boys in anticipation for the promised Messiah has given way to baptizing baby boys and girls. That they may be joined to the holy obedience and suffering and death of Jesus. And this is what's given to you in your baptism. St. Paul writes, For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Isn't that a joyful way to enter into this new year. We don't look for comfort and hope in the changing of a calendar or any sort of New Year's resolution that you may come up with. Our hope and comfort is in Jesus, in Him alone. His perfect obedience and innocent suffering and death has been accounted 
to you as righteousness. Through him, all of your sins are gone, are covered through his blood. And so in this coming year of 2024, we give thanks to the Lord for all that he has done for us and what he continues to do for our salvation. In this coming year, may God grant you his protection and mercy. God grant that we begin this new year in the name of the one who is circumcised and given the name Jesus for you and for your salvation. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.